0: So who is the goat when it comes to basketball? Yeah, Michael Jordan, right? Yeah, if that's not your that answer, okay. Um, NASCAR, is it Dale Earnhardt? When it comes to baseball, this was kind of debatable, right? It's kind of debatable. This is kind of my favorite. Is it Hank Aaron? Yeah, some of are like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, when it comes to guitar, is it Jimi Hendrix? There's probably some debate. When it comes to the Avengers, gotta be Cap, right? It's gotta be Cap. I mean, the Olympics are going on. It's gotta be Captain America right now. Comedians? It's Robin Williams. He would have been 70 this past week. I don't really want to do this next one. But when it comes to coaches. So speaking of Coach Saban, next Sunday, we're gonna have Coach Saban's team chaplain for Alabama football, Jeremiah Castile is gonna be speaking here at Mountaintop. Yeah, Jeremiah's a great guy. He was an All-American on Coach Bryant's last team at Alabama and runs a great ministry for young people here um, in uh, in Birmingham. And so we're blessed. We're gonna have a lot of fun with it. Jeremiah might have on a crimson and white, I won't. Um, But you can wear whatever color, your favorite team. We're gonna make it kind of a fun day, your favorite team gear day. If it's college, if it's pro, if it's baseball, if it's NASCAR, wear your favorite gear, and if you're like, I'm not a sports, wear your favorite band t-shirt, wear your favorite movie, whatever your thing is, it's just kind of fan day, it's going to be a great deal. But that's kind of the question we ask these days, that's if you don't know what goat means, some of you do, help, help us out, what does it mean? Greatest of all time. It's an acronym. It's become a part, a popular part of our vernacular. And believe it or not, two disciples named James and John, two brothers, ask Jesus that question. Jesus, how can we be the goat? That's really what they ask him. And that's what we kind of always want to know. How can I be the goat and what I do? They didn't say it that way, but it's what they meant. How can I be the goat? disciple how can we be when it's all said and done when you have finished whatever you came here to do when you have completed all you came here to complete how can I be the greatest disciple of all time it's kind of what they were asking it's found in Mark chapter 10 and it begins in verse 35, this story that Mark writes about these two disciples who begin this conversation with Jesus that ends up being a conversation with all 12 disciples. So if you have your Bibles with you and you want to open them or you got your app or your phone or whatever there, maybe you're watching online, you're, a, you're at the beach or on vacation or you're just at home, you can open your Bibles. If you're in the room and you don't have a hard copy, take one at the bookshelf when you leave. We want that to be our gift to you. Actually, the conversation starts off even more bold than asking to be the greatest. Listen to the first thing they say to Jesus. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, came to Jesus. Teacher, they said. (laughs) We want you to do for us whatever we ask. Can you imagine having the audacity to say that to Jesus? Hey, Jesus, Jesus, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Almost treating like Jesus like a genie in a bottle, right? We, we want you to grant us, we ever, I mean, that's one way to approach Jesus. And Jesus is kind of like, okay, I'll bite. And he responds, what do you want me to do for you? He asks. What do you want me to do for you? Now, if you had had the audacity to ask Jesus that first question, you know, hey, would you do whatever we want? And he gave you that answer, how would you respond? Now, keep in mind, Jesus hasn't agreed to anything. But if Jesus asked you that question, what do you want me to do for you? How would you respond? Well, they respond by asking him for a spot in the limelight for well ever this is what they say they replied Lord let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory When it is all said and done, Jesus, when you are in your glory, when your kingdom has come, when everything is complete, when you have finished what the Lord, what your Father sent you to start, when it's all said and done, would you let one of us have a seat at your right and one of us have, would would you just let everyone know that we were the two greatest? We were the goats of the disciples. And what they were asking for isn't that out of the realm of what we understand, too, is that we understand greatness, we understand accomplishment in terms of position. Right? Give me a better position, a new position. That's what they were asking for. Lord, we want a seat on the cabinet. We'd like to be on the eternal cabinet. Give me a seat in the boardroom. Get me to the next tax bracket. That's the world, right? We're always jockeying for position, always trying to get a leg up on the competition. Uh, and, and the next position, and here's what we do. The next position is always the position that will make all the difference, isn't it? That's what we think. If we're in high school, we just want to graduate and go to college. Oh, I just can't wait to get out of this house and go to college. And then you get to college. And you're like, I just want to get in the co- get out of college and get a job. And then you get out of college and you get a job. And you're like, oh, I just want to get married. And you get married. And you're like, oh, it's great to be married, but we just want to have kids. And you have kids. And you're like, we just want them to move out. <laughs> and then they move out. And you're like, we just want to retire and this is the way we view it, right? The position is the thing that we want. And the next position is always the best one in life, in the company, in my career. I, I want to be great, and greatness is in the position I don't have. And this, listen, even when we talk about this, oh, man, listen, oh, when we get married, finally, when we get married, won't that be great? Oh, when we have kids one day of our own, won't that be great? Oh, when we can finally retire and I don't have to set an alarm clock, won't that be great? And I totally relate to this with James and John because I am a type A driven personality, okay? And I'm just, I mean, I'm driven. I'm a hard driver. I'm always thinking, always want to take the next step. always want to reach the next level. So I totally get that. Now, maybe you aren't that way, not everyone is built that way. But one thing I think we can all agree on is that we all want to get to the next best position with God. And and even though when we read this first comment from James and John and you're just like, it's pretty audacious, it's pretty self-centered, it's pretty arrogant, isn't it? It seems kind of arrogant. If you dig down, they were asking for a position to be with Jesus. that's well, it's not that bad. I mean, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? They could have answered, uh, make us rich. They could have answered, you know, give us, uh, give us a, make us the high priest in the temple. Make us ruler over Israel. They could have asked for some kind of worldly governmental position. But what they say is, no, we just want to be with you. We want to be great in you, Jesus. We want to be great with you. And I think one thing that we share in common with James and John is that we all wanna be great in Jesus. You wouldn't be here on the last Sunday of July if you didn't. Or some of you are watching on vacation, that's amazing. You wanna be great in Jesus. But here's what's interesting, we still often think about greatness in Jesus, in church, in the faith, in Christianity. We still often think about greatness as positions. In fact, we've given them titles in Christianity. Pastor, reverend, bishop, elder, deacon, board member, small group leader, serve team coach, I mean, if you want to be great in the church, you aspire, you, you get one of those positions. Isn't that what greatness means? And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with these, because I'm a few of them, so I hope there's not. <laughs> but what Jesus is going to say is, yeah, that, that whole position thing, that whole title thing, um, it, it, all that idea uh, has nothing to do with greatness in the kingdom of God. With God, it works totally differently, and it has nothing to do with position, and it has nothing to do with title. First though, Jesus kind of digs at their question. He says, you don't know what you're asking. you don't know what you're asking jesus says do you have any idea what what you think and then jesus goes on and he says could you drink the cup i can drink that i drink or be baptized with the baptism i am baptized with and what jesus is saying is listen i'm going to drink the cup of god's wrath On the cross, I'm going to be baptized in the fire of God's punishment for the sin of the world. Are you sure you want that? The way to greatness in the kingdom of heaven you're going to see in and through me is suffering. Are you ready to be great? Well, then you need to see if you're ready to suffer, guys. James, John, want to sign up for that? Of course, they have no idea what he's talking about, right? They don't know that he's gonna drink the cup of God's wrath on the cross. They don't know this baptism of fire. They don't know, they're just like, drink the cup. And they answer, sure, we can. So where do we sign the dotted line, Jesus? Yes, we can. That's why Jesus responds this way. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with but to sit at my right or left, well, that's not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. Jesus says, yeah, (laughs) yeah, you're right. You guys don't know it, but you are gonna suffer. In fact, 10 of the 12 disciples of the 11, 10 of the 11 left after Judas deserts them, were killed for their faith murdered for their belief in Jesus and his resurrection. John, the only one who wasn't, it wasn't for lack of trying by Rome. And he left, he spent the rest of his life ostracized on an island by himself. Yeah, yeah, you guys are gonna suffer. They don't know that. But this question you guys are asking, to sit at my right, to sit at my left, that's not my call. (laughs) And then he kind of turns it, In fact, it's it's your call. You're going to have to decide. It's not really, those, those spots aren't really reserved for particular people. They're reserved for a kind of people. And you get to decide if you could be the kind of person who could sit in one of those two seats. And I love this next line. I love this. It says, when the 10 heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. And I've just always thought, in it because they're like, why didn't I think of that, right? I want to be in it. Peter's like, God, I wanted to do that. I should have been asking that question. I want to sit at his right hand. But what Jesus says next, if we could just lean into what Jesus said, it has the potential to change everything everything about how we understand our faith in Christ. It has the potential to to just turn upside down the life of every follower of Jesus. It It has the potential to turn all the rules upside down, to redefine everything that we think. If we could just lean, so I just want this right here, this is part, just lean into what Jesus is saying here. Jesus called them all together. He got them all together. He's like, Bartholomew, come over here. Matthew, Peter, Andrew, you guys come here. Philip, come here. Listen. And they're all together. You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. You guys know that, right? You know what this looks like in the world, Jesus is saying. You've seen it in, in the world every day. Not in our little circle, but you have seen how the world views greatness and position. You've seen, guys, right, how people use their position to exercise power. That's what the world does. You've seen how people, you've seen the Romans You've seen how they've used their position to exercise power and there's a military leader and he has power over his troops and they have power over the nation of Israel but then there's a governor over that military leader and there's an emperor over that that governor, and you've seen how they've wielded power. You've seen this in the temple, right? You've seen how there's like some priests in the outer courts, and then there's another priest, and then there's like the chief priest. You guys have seen what power looks like, right? You use your position to, to to exercise power so that you can wield power, so that you can make the rules, so that you call the shot, so that you make decisions, so that you get the corner office, so you can do whatever you want to. You use your position so that you have the power to wake up one day and just go, I think I'm going to go to Spain. Because I want to, and I got this position so I can have the power to do whatever I want. You can see I'm just going, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what, yeah. You know, James and John are like, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We want those seats. And Jesus says, not so with you. He kind of sets them up for this almost like he baits them, doesn't he? Cause you can see they're just like nodding their hands. They're like, yes position, power, you get the thing and then you rule over and you get the seat and then you have a yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we want. That's probably what you're going to do, Jesus, right? You're going to use your position and you're going to have power. You're going to take your rightful place on the throne of Israel and then you're going to control the mighty, evil, wicked Romans. We're going to win this thing once and for all. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Jesus is like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not so with you. hey Philip, Peter, Nathaniel, that's not the way you're going to do it. The James, John, Andrew, Matthew, yes, it's not the way we do it. That's not our way. It's not the kingdom way. This is our way, Jesus says. Instead. Whoever wants to become great among you, you want to be the goat? I'm going to give you the answer, Jesus says. Must. Ooh, what do you think it's going to say? Must have perfect attendance at church. Must memorize a bunch of scriptures. Must give a lot of money. Must get elected to the board. Must be good and not say cuss words. What's he gonna say? What do you think it's gonna say? It said whoever wants to become great among you, you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. You wanna be great? You want the seat next to me? You wanna be the goat of disciples? You wanna be the, known as a great follower of Jesus? You wanna be known as a godly person, Jesus says? It's simple, just make yourself nothing. Make yourself a servant. You have learned your whole life. The world has tried to teach you that we get positions so that we can wield power, and those mean nothing in the kingdom of God. What I'm interested in is your posture. The world has taught you that you lead with an iron fist from the top down, and what I'm telling you is that you lead with open hands that serve. posture of a servant. Are you willing, you wanna be great? Are you willing to serve? Take the posture of a servant. That's what greatness is in the kingdom. When I was uh, first starting out in ministry, uh, one of the places that I served as associate pastor at a large um, suburban church in metro Atlanta, and my mentor there, who's still just important in my life, was Pastor Davis Chapel. Isn't that a great preacher name? His last name was Chapel. Pastor Davis Chapel And uh, he serves now at Brentwood United Methodist up in Nashville, great, great church, and still doing great things for the Lord. And when I was there, we were on this really busy intersection, Uh, had a great location, but we had a rinky-dink sign, just a terrible, like, dilapidated sign. And somebody gave money for us to get a new, big, fancy sign at this intersection. It was going to be one of those cool ones, like the letters light up at night. It had like a jumbotron LED screen. It was super cool. And, and we needed it because it was just such a prominent corner in town. And there was great debate about whether or not we were going to put on the sign, kind of in permanent letters the way you see it in some churches, Davis Chapel Senior Pastor. We were going to put the preacher's name. But Davis nipped that in the bud pretty quick. He said, well, if you're going to put my name on it, you better make sure it says Davis Chapel Chief Footwasher because titles don't mean much in the kingdom of God. We're supposed to take the posture of a servant. We decided not to put any name. We thought the foot washer would be a little weird to the community. But he exhibited this idea that you don't get greatness. It's nothing about titles and positions. It's about all of us having the posture of a servant. And it's almost as if Jesus, after he finishes this, because he's got one more line of this story, it's almost like he's going to say, and if you want to know exactly what that looks like and how I'm going to personally live out this value, well, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but what? To serve and to give his life. Would you say that with me? To give his life as a ransom for many. It's like he wants to say, guys, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? I am the son of man. I am the son of God, the God made flesh, the word that was with God in the beginning and the word that became flesh. I am the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, the Lord of lords, the king of kings, the one in whose name all men can be saved and only men can be saved. I am the one in whom all creation was made for me, through me and by me. And I am the only name under heaven that is the name above every name. Do you guys, do you know who I am? I got a pretty rock star position, guys. And I use my position not to come here to be served, but to serve. And you guys are gonna see in a little while to give my life as a ransom for the sin of every person who has ever lived and will ever live. you wanna know what greatness is? Friends, that's greatness. To serve. To give it away. And so it is with the kingdom. You, you can't get a position where you graduate from serving because the one with the greatest position came to serve. Greatness isn't about where we get in life it's not about the c-suite or the corner office or getting the promotion or getting to some level in life greatness isn't about where we get in life but how much of our lives we give away it's about how much of our lives we're willing to give away this flies in the face of everything that we've come to believe about the american dream Greatness isn't about the promotion, the house, the lifestyle, the job, the relationship, the school, the degree, the blue check mark, the follows, the shares, the likes. Greatness is about in our willingness to be the goat, to give it all away. You know, you're so interesting. It's like this series. This is the last in our series we've been the all summer long, and if you knew, we'd love for you to go back and watch we've been talking about the marks of a follower of jesus and we've been we've been talking about that uh all the things that this book says to us. And what's so interesting to me is that the church spends a lot of time trying to tell the world what this book says about the world. But if we would just spend our time studying and living out what this book says about us, we would do the world a whole lot of good. Like, and that, So this whole series has been about what this book says about us, about who we are and what we're called to be. And here's the cool thing that I just so believe, that if we would take to heart this, that if we would be followers who live out these values, who live out these marks, who love radically and who pray fervently for their friends, who, who make disciples by their lifestyle and who serve joyfully who are always the ones willing to serve, who are always the ones willing to step up and be the team mom, who are always the ones willing to step up and coach Little League, who are always the ones cutting their neighbors grass, who are always the ones volunteering to, to take all the kids to carpool, who are always the ones taking a casserole to somebody, who are always the ones visiting somebody in the hospital, who are always the ones going and packing food for people who don't have food. If we were always the ones, You know what the people would look at the Christians and say, man those Christians, aren't they Great? Aren't they great? Aren't they great neighbors? People, non-believers would be talking to each other at at lunch, like we had to make a new hire. We hired a Christian. Oh, yeah, aren't they great? Aren't they great employees? I just became a, a Facebook friend with someone who's a Christian. Oh yeah, aren't they great online? Aren't they great? Followers of this life-giving, ransom-paying, self-sacrificing Jesus serve joyfully. We serve joyfully. I mean, we don't just serve, we serve joyfully because we have seen it in our Savior because we have a picture of what it looks like in the crosses and our homes and that we hang around our necks. We saw what service and self-sacrifice and giving our lives as a ransom for many looks like up close and personal, so we do it joyfully. And here's the cool thing, because it is who Jesus is, we look like our Savior when we serve. You say, I want to be more like Jesus Serve is an interesting thing. So we got serve team sign-ups out in the atrium today. And oftentimes people think that we have serve team sign-ups because we're just trying to fill spots. Or we some, have some quota to fill, right? That like we need to report to the national church place how many people we got serving. Like some quota. Or we just think you're bored and you need to be busy. You're doing some church stuff. It's not about filling spots or keeping you busy. I want you to look like Jesus. And we look like Jesus when we serve. When we serve. So when it comes time to sign up, When it comes time for Second Serve Saturday, every second Saturday of the month, the next one's on August 14th, and we go serve the community, I promise you, we're not trying to keep you busy. I promise you, we're not trying to get you to just do something for the sake of doing something. We want you to look like Jesus, and we look like Jesus, we look like our Savior when we serve. And here's here's the, here's the thing, I'm not sure you can look like Jesus unless you serve. I'm not sure you can look like Jesus unless you learn to serve like Jesus. I want you to be great. (laughs) I want you to restore the image in which you were created in God's image. And serving is one more step back in the restoration of that image. And here's something that I believe with all my heart. This fall, I believe the Lord's gonna send a lot of people to mountaintop. I believe God's doing something here. And when they walk in the doors, when people that don't know Christ and people that are new to the community, when they walk in the doors, I want them to see and experience a great church. And here's what I believe. If serving makes people great, then servants make churches great. You know, a church isn't a building or an organization, right? It's just a group of people. If serving makes one person great, then what makes a group of people great? Servants. If serving makes people great, then servants make churches great. And I want you to find a place that you serve, that you feel called to serve, that God can use you to serve, not because I want you to just fill a spot, because I want you to be great, and I want you to look like our Savior. And when people that don't know Jesus walk through those doors, I want them to see Jesus. And they won't see him in the sermons or the singing. They'll see him in the servants. Now, most people will go, well, I don't know what what I have to offer. I don't feel like I have any special skills. I don't know what talents I have. How can I serve? On February 4th, 1968, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. preached his very last sermon at Ebenezer Baptist Church. It was exactly two months to the day before he was assassinated on April 4th. He preached a sermon called The Drum Major Instinct on this story about serving. And he said it didn't have anything to do with your skills or your talents. He said what we needed to check was our heart. If you want to be important, wonderful. If you want to be recognized, wonderful. If you want to be great, wonderful. But recognize that he who is greatest among you shall be your servant." That's a new definition of greatness. And this morning, the thing that I like about it, by giving that definition of greatness it means that everybody can be great, because everybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't, know, you don't have to make your subject and your verb agree to serve. You don't have to know about Plato and Aristotle to serve. You don't have to know Einstein's theory of relativity to serve. You don't have to know the second theory of thermodynamics in physics to serve. You only need a heart full of grace, a soul generated by love. You can be...